We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, America, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. To be honest, I would put myself in the same category as D-Wade. Tell me who can guard in this league. I'll put a gun to my own head. Welcome to the Roadwire NBA podcast presented by FanDuel.com. Nick Whalen here with Alex Marutha. It is Thursday, March 14th. Josh Smith is officially joining the Big Three. Oh, wow. Or at least he's making himself available to be drafted into the Big Three, assuming that they want him. And I, I think they will. I think he's. Defensive Player of the Year candidate. Yeah, perennial defensive player of the year candidate, two-time NBA uh, Eastern Conference player of the week. Okay, he won it on the same week, five years apart. Mm. Very interesting. Are I mean, are there any other big three players still getting paid by NBA teams? That was going to be the next thing I bring up. I don't think so. Um, no, I'm just going to say no. I don't, okay, I don't even yeah. know who's even in the big three right now. It seems like they announce something like this every couple of weeks. Uh, but Josh Smith, as you astutely pointed out is still on the books for 5.3 million dollars next season uh counting against the cap of the detroit pistons <laughs> so i mean i don't want to spend too much time talking about josh smith we can cap this at like 20 25 minutes right um all rookie second team in 2005 
all defensive uh, second team in 2009-10. Other than that, fairly underwhelming. Um, the numbers look look pretty good for a while. He was kind of a defensive metric uh, darling for a little bit there, um, but extre- like fell off ridiculously quickly after leaving the Atlanta Hawks and signing with Detroit in, in 2013. And then he had that brief comeback with Houston. I think he popped up on the Clippers for a little bit. Him and Dwight um, were on the same AAU team. Right, so exactly. The chemistry. And it kind of, yeah, that, believe it or not, did not bring a championship to Houston. Do you know which team he played for last season? Totally forgot that this happened. He played 12 minutes in parts of three games for this NBA team a year ago. The Pelicans? The Pelicans. Okay. Well done. He played in three of the first four games, and then that was it. So, <laughs> I'm assuming we've seen the last of Josh Smith. I don't, I don't know if the Pistons, with him being on the books, like, do they retain his rights? Apparently not, because I guess he played I, for the Pelicans while being paid yeah. for the Pistons. But um, he's yeah, only 33, right? I mean, he's for a big three player. He's going. He's to in be, his prime, right? Arguably. He's going to be yeah. like well ahead of. Yeah, I think like Corey Maggette and like Catino Mobley has had a lot of success in this right. league. Um, I'll still take 33 year old Josh Smith over those guys. So we have a bunch of things to get to. Not a ton of news this time of year. I would I would assert that this like this time, this chunk of time, I guess, so maybe like the the calendar month, I guess, leading up to the playoffs is like the biggest lull of the season for the yeah. NBA. And that even includes the offseason for the most part. Like to me, the you know, the week leading up to the draft, summer league is like even more fun than this time of year. And especially given the circumstances we have where you know, for a couple of weeks, the story that dominated everything was, will LeBron's Lakers make the playoffs? Right. Technically, they're not out of it. As LeBron pointed out after that <laughs> massively important win over the Chicago Bulls on Tuesday, um, they're still not out of it. But right now, when you look at the standings um, in the Western Conference, for sure, and in the East, to a slightly lesser degree, you can feel pretty good about the eight teams that are going to be in in the West. Golden State, Denver, OKC, Houston are the top four. Um, then to me, there's kind of like a a mini cutoff when you get down to Portland at five, San Antonio six, Utah seven, uh, and the Clippers at eight. Uh, the Clippers in Utah have kind of been, you know, vacillating back and forth between those two spots over the last few nights. But then you have a four and a half game golf from eight seed LA to nine seed Sacramento. So, I mean, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be that crazy, I guess, if, if Sacramento maybe got this down to, to two games or even one game down the stretch. I mean, we'll see what they're able to do. Um, but for the most part, with the way that this tends to work year to year, you know, there's probably what 70 to 80% chance, maybe even higher that those eight teams are the yeah. eight teams that are going to be in it. Um, yeah, definitely higher than 80 when we, when we get to, to mid April, then you look at the East and the top five have been locked in really for a long time since yeah. probably mid December, since it, you know, it became clear that Indiana, even though they're still at three, even though they've played, you know, two months now without Oladipo, like they're still below those the, the other four teams when you when you really do the hierarchy, but they're third in the standings. Um, and then there's that gap that's been there all year when you get down to Brooklyn at six, Detroit seven, Miami eight. Then you have two games before Orlando and Charlotte, uh, who are currently tied for ninth and tenth. Um, and then below that, you know, none of those teams are trying to make the playoffs. So at least in the East, it's a little bit tighter. But for the most part, you know, these next fifteen games or so are more about seeding than they are teams working their way in or out of the field. Yeah, I mean, and as a result, like the only news there would be would kind of be like in the Eastern Conference, like, oh, who's in, who's out of the playoffs. But theoretically, that team's just going to get bounced immediately, like possibly swept in the first round. So nothing really, you know, much comes out of that. It's just going to be 
I mean, I always feel like I would prefer Kemba Walker be in the playoffs than like anyone on Miami. Hey, come on, Hassan Whiteside. Yeah, Hassan. Wa- <laughs> Playoff Hassan. Um, well, yeah, that, that's what I was going to ask you. Is you know, if we're assuming the West is set, we we can maybe talk a little bit about that. But in the East, um, I, I think Brooklyn's going to be in. Um, you know, I mean, there is there is a chance. There's basically the same chance that they fall out as like the Clippers falling out and being replaced by Sacramento. So like a lot would have to go wrong for Brooklyn to not make the playoffs, and they've really been that six seed basically the entire year. Yeah. Who do you want to fill those final two? Like just from a pure watchability standpoint, I mean, none of these teams are are really appealing. I think if you had to make a rankings of like the teams you've avoided on League Pass over the last three years, like Detroit, Miami, Orlando, and Charlotte would be like in everybody's top five. Um, but which of those two teams are are at least you know if you if you really want to scrape together some storylines or there's certain players that you like playing, like which two do you want to see? Um, I I think you know like I said, Kemba Walker in the playoffs that would always be fun. In an ideal world, I'd say Atlanta, uh, but I don't think we're – I'm not – you know, they, they have to rattle off quite a few wins in a row for that to happen. Um, I Yeah, I think just Charlotte and Detroit um, because just, you know, Blake Griffin, star power in the playoffs. I'd like to see what he could do in the East, um, in the Eastern Conference playoffs and just bring some experience to that team. I just – like, I, I – Miami does not excite me at all. They're a slow-paced team. They play – they just don't have a, a real star. Like, they change whoever – like, Kelly Olenek will average, like, 20.7 rebounds for two weeks, and now he's back to, like, playing 18 minutes a game or whatever. Um, Orlando would be okay. I'm still an Aaron Gordon believer. Vucevic is clearly – like, he, he's having an all-star caliber season. Um, but I would just – wouldn't have a lot of faith in them just – making a series competitive, I guess, or at least really entertaining. Um, so, yeah, I would have to go with with Detroit and Charlotte, ideally for those last two spots. I think I would go the complete opposite direction. Apologies to Kemba Walker. Um, but I think I want to see Orlando and Miami, which, I mean, not something I ever thought I would say, but right. given the other two choices. Um, I mean, Detroit, it, This when we, when we talked this time last week, we I think I asked you if they were the team – that had maybe replaced Brooklyn as the team that, you know, one of these, you know, three, four, five seeds doesn't want to face. Uh, and since then they have not won a game and they have scored 74 and 75 points in their last two games. Those are two of the three lowest scoring games. Any team has put up all year. Uh, it would not shock you that Orlando, I think is on that list like three times. They have like three of the 10 lowest. Um, I feel like those four teams most account for most of them, but I, nobody else on Charlotte really intrigues me. And no, that's part true. of this is I, I think the top two seeds are so strong, Miami and Toronto. Um, and, and again, Philly and Boston, I think, are in that same category where I don't really see this being an upset situation. Whereas, like, you look at the West and, you know, Golden State's not going to get upset. But, you know, like Sacramento-Denver would have been a really, really fun first-round series. Yes. Um, and, and I think Denver wins that series, you know, nine out of ten times. But you could at least talk yourself into the storyline of the Kings, you know, giving them a run. Whereas... You know, the Magic have had their moments. Miami's had its moments. You know, I, I don't even know if Charlotte's had their moments. Not really. Um, those teams, to me, that's a sweep in round one. You know, maybe it's a five-game series if, if somebody gets hurt or something fluky happens or Giannis gets in foul trouble. But um, I think you have to look at it like pure entertainment perspective. If you're yeah. gonna if you're gonna sit through four or five Bucks or Raptors first-round games, you know, how are you gonna be most entertained? To me, Charlotte, 
I would rather watch the Knicks or the Cavs or the Suns or the that's Grizzlies. why I, I mean that's like why Charlotte, I said the Hawks as an option. Right. Yeah, that would be great. Charlotte is, and again, apologies to Kemba Walker. They are. There's just nothing going on there beyond that, and uh, it kind of leads me into my my next question, which is, you know, we've spent a lot of time talking about the bottom four or five: Atlanta, Chicago, Cleveland, New York, Phoenix. Like, you know, what's next for those teams, both in the draft and with all the young prospects that they've acquired. The teams that we're talking about now, Orlando, Charlotte, um, you know, Miami and Detroit have kind of been in the same spot, it seems like, for the last or at least the better part of the last five or six years, maybe not every year, but they're always in this like seven to twelve range. And you and I, uh, growing up in the greater Milwaukee, Madison, Green Bay area, are familiar with the Bucks basically being in that spot for an they entire were. decade and a half. Yeah. And what that brings you in terms of draft capital and you know the upside uh, of players and and i think these teams that we're talking about maybe with the exception of miami are kind of in that same position as a milwaukee where you know you're not free agents aren't lining up to go to charlotte they aren't lining up to go play in orlando they're not lining up to go play with andre drummond in detroit so you know you're talking about teams that are already at a little bit of a disadvantage in terms of what they can do um acquiring players in the free agency or even in the trade market um and then to kind of put themselves behind the eight ball in the draft like they've done year after year um you know it's not really shocking i guess that they've kind of stayed in that in that same zone over and over so uh that was just a long-winded way of saying like which of those teams if, if you were offered like a gm job going forward and like, you can take over we really like your work at rotowire we think you'd be a great Thank fit you. Yeah. um you know we saw some of the stuff you wrote about you know dfs would you rather take over Charlotte, Orlando, Detroit, Miami, uh, or we can even throw Washington in there as well because they um, they're in a little bit of a rough spot contract wise. They are. This is. I think this is actually a really hard question. Like I don't think any of these. <laughs> like <laughs> I just I've been the job. I've been staring at this for a long time, like trying to like work through in my head. Go run the Wisconsin herd. Yeah. Right. Um, so I, maybe it'll be easier to work backwards. I don't think I want Washington. That John Wall contract. I feel like is is just crippling like in a way that you can't you can, at least you can't move off of it he's only on the books for about 47 million in 2023 <laughs> you got to think of it that way i would re- see the other other teams like charlotte for example they have like some pretty horrible contracts but they're theoretically movable i think if you attach other assets to them i don't even know if you can well, attach assets to the john wall contract well that's the thing I, charlotte has a lot of contracts that are that are not great but they were worse last year and worse the year before you know where i mean like zeller at he's at 14 and a half next year and then 15 and a half the year after not good nick batum 25 and a half next year and i, I can't even get this out without laughing 27 million dollar player option in 2020 20, 2020 2021 but that contract has been on the books for a couple of years so like right at least with at least with charlotte you can see the light at the end of the tunnel and beyond those two contracts, you have, you know, you have Bayambo on the books for 17 next year. That, that's its own separate podcast. Marvin Williams at 15. MKG, who's not even in the rotation, at 13. Um, but after next season, they're basically, other than Batum, they're like kind of in the clear. Sure. Whereas Washington, like you just said, I mean, you're just beginning one of those type of contracts. And obviously, Wall, when healthy, is a much better player than all those guys combined that we just mentioned. But... I, he's going to miss all of next year, right? I mean, he's going to be on the books yeah. for almost $40 million playing at best like 10 games next year. And you're looking all of a sudden now at like a year and a half from now, hopefully he's healthy. And who knows what's going to go on, you know, between now and then. Yeah, and even, I mean, even with Charlotte, you worry about like, are you giving Kemba Walker that's the, like the Supermax right. contract? And then what can you even build? Can you build a team around Kemba Walker under that scenario? So even that, you know, complicates things right. a bit. 
Um, yeah, in terms of Miami, they just don't have any current stars. The contracts are all bad. They have tra- somehow don't have many draft picks. Um, they, they have like no second round picks for the next four or five years. I think they all but one year they've traded. Um, and of course, their their 2021 unprotected now belongs to the Clippers. Previously belonged to Philly. Um, so that's that's one where if you're if you're theoretically that GM, you kind of have that cloud hanging over you, where no matter what you do. You cannot be a bottom five team in 2021, which um, you know could also end up being the the double draft as well. So that's right. uh, you're under a little bit more pressure there, or more unique pressure, I guess, that these other situations don't have. I think Detroit's a little bit in a better spot than than those other teams, just because you have Blake Griffin. Even though that contract still worries me, like later on, like what team are you building around? Like 30, what 34, 33 year old Blake Griffin. I mean, who's coming to Detroit? That's also an issue. You have you have problems with Detroit's market. Detroit's on the rebound, man. <laughs> um, I'm Andre Drummond contract. I don't I don't think he's worth that money. That's just personally. I, I don't either. He has been. We should say he's been much better over he the has. last like month month and a half. He's basically been like a twenty and sixteen guy. Um, but still, yeah, he's he can, doesn't do enough to make that money. Can he be your third best player? Like, can you win a championship? Is that like the I, absolute? I think he can. The problem is when he's making you know 28 million dollars in two years that means your second best player basically has to be like on a jason tatum contract you know you can't go out and get that second best player you have to find Giannis in the draft yeah exactly so i guess i'm actually leaning towards orlando yeah Um, (laughs) you kind of backed your way i I backed my way into into john hammond's job the one that we have not like destroyed quite yet yeah um the vucevic situation is a little awkward but like worst case scenario they get rid of them that cap room is free um, Aaron Gorgon's contract is actually descending in money, so he'll be easier to yes. move. I don't think Jonathan Isaac will be like an all-star, but he seems like he'll turn into a nice rotational right. piece. You know, they they don't have a lot of money on the books that is like egregious, and um, it's a it's a solid market. Like I feel like people would theoretically want to go to Orlando if things started turning yes. around in a good way. Mm-hmm. So I think yeah, I think I'm picking Orlando here. One thing you didn't mention too is Orlando's the only team of those five that has a player with the popular rap song named after him. Obama. So you need to, yeah, that's something that I think a lot of people have, have kind of overlooked. I think Orlando's the answer. Um, the Vucevic thing, like, I, I, it's kind of a, it's I don't even know how to explain this. I guess because he's a little bit, he's a little bit too old where I'd feel comfortable handing out, you know, a four-year close to max deal um i mean he's kind of sneakily been in the league for a long time he's a guy who played a couple years in college um and but i I feel like you know if you keep him around at the right price it's fine it's not going to kill you and if they're content you know let's say they make the playoffs this year and you know that's kind of where they want to be these next few years after missing it for so long you know you can't really fault them i guess um because they're really not they're really not anywhere close to competing with the milwaukee's or the toronto's or the boston's but if you let him, if you let him go, then you know, in theory, you're you're able to open yourself up to to other players. And like you said, I think of those teams, Orlando is the one city and the one organization that that you could kind of see, maybe not ever becoming an LA or a or a New York or anything close to that. But you know, there, it's at least attractive for a lot of the reasons that those other markets aren't. Um, and I think if you if you line up like the young assets of those teams, um, I mean, where where does guys like Jonathan Isaac? Aaron Gordon you can even throw Bamba who's you know showed a few flashes when he was healthy like those guys to me having Aaron Gordon I know some people probably think he's overpaid but on a contract that de-escalates like you said a very tradable contract 
Um, I mean, he's basically, he's making less than Tim Hardaway, you know, like Aaron Gordon to me, like I'm willing to chance that for the next few years. Like he's yeah. not, you know, people, people talk about that deal. Like it's a, like, it's a John Wall contract. And like, I, I mean, he's overpaid and he hasn't quite developed like people thought, but you know, this isn't the wall contract. This isn't the Wiggins contract. It's not going to hamstring them for these next few years. So I'm with you. I, I, I think it has to be Orlando. Miami is very interesting. Um, just because they they're the only team of these that has like the proven track record of, you know, sound management, sound yes. ownership, sound coaching prior to these last couple summers, like very savvy free agent signings, savvy trades. And it, what's strange is that nothing's really changed from a management perspective, but it, to me, like the, it went against the heat's reputation to sign that Kelly Olynyk deal, to sign the Dion waiters deal, to do the Tyler Johnson deal. Like none of that really made sense with how we've come to know the heat and how they operate. Um, and when you start to look up and down that cap sheet, I mean, it's Whiteside 27 million, Ryan Anderson still in the books next year at 21.2. Although I think that might be, uh, partially guaranteed I'll have to check on that. Um, Dion waiters, you know, all these guys, Kelly Olenek is still on the books for two more, uh, other than Winslow and Richardson, which are now kind of looking like bargain contacts, uh, contracts, I should yeah. say Richardson, especially, I mean, they have probably more bad contracts on the books than any other team right now. Yeah, I mean, if they had Richardson and Winslow and like also almost no other, you know, financial responsibilities, then they'd be in a great spot right. because you figure you can build a team around that. And Miami's just, a, for all intents and purposes, the same market as Orlando being in Florida. Um, so, yeah, the I don't know if Pat Riley was hoping they would be able to flip some of these guys for a star later on, like a disgruntled start. They tried to sign Gorgon Hayward. Um, that, like thank god that didn't happen right like how, that would have been that would have made things so much worse yeah um so yeah they're they're in an interesting spot like 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 we mentioned they have value contracts but um they don't their you know their pick situation doesn't look great anything like that so yeah overall i'm still taking orlando the trade thing is interesting i do think that was part of it you know stacking these these deals that you would need to trade for someone who's making you know 28 million dollars or whatever but i you know, that market has kind of dried up and none of these guys, I think, you know, like even at the time that they signed Dion Waiters or the time that they signed Kelly Olenek, you know, like you didn't look at those guys as like, wow, that's going to be a great deal in two years, <laughs> you know, or even like, Tyler Johnson before they traded him, like James Johnson, who is now completely out of the rotation, right? Like, yeah. He hasn't played in like two weeks. Um, I mean, guys like that making the money that they are, I mean, those are not, those went from very difficult to trade contracts to borderline untradeable at this point in Miami, again, going against what we know them to do is now basically taking themselves out of the race for guys like Kevin Durant, you know, Kyrie Irving, um, even Anthony Davis to some degree, you know, like usually they would be a team that would see things like this coming a year or two out and position themselves um, to, to kind of be a player in that market. And I mean, Miami, for obvious reasons that we just talked about, hasn't even been mentioned as a destination for any of those guys. Yeah, you would figure they would act almost the same as New York, where they're like, okay, let's just free up as much money as possible when big name free agents are about to hit the market right. so we can just try to lure them in here. And like, it hasn't worked out. It worked really well in 2010. Right. <laughs> was, yes. Couldn't have worked better. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, even some of these guys have player, like James Johnson has a player option for almost 16 mil in 2020, 2021. Olenek has a player option for that same year. Um, you know, like it's not like the, the end for them isn't really in sight. Like it is for, you know, for Charlotte, like we talked about, like they're, they're not going to be a player this summer. They're not going to be a player next summer. So you're kind of starting to look at 
2021 2022 and then you have to factor in the draft pick that they're giving up at that point um so i think miami probably has the soundest roster top to bottom right now and if your goal as as this new gm would be to just be the seven seed from now until 2022 you're probably in a good spot to do that <laughs> right um but in terms of you know if you want to make big splashy moves and, and move up in in the hierarchy of the east uh to me miami is is kind of stuck where they are for the time being all right, let's take a quick break so I can tell you about the presenting sponsor of the Rotowire NBA podcast, FanDuel.com. Fantasy basketball fans, the NBA regular season is nearing its end, but that does not mean your fantasy basketball season's coming to a close. FanDuel is offering the most exciting ways to play fantasy basketball no matter what you're looking for. FanDuel is something for everyone, tons of different contests and formats to choose from, starting with entry fees at just 25 cents per contest. All you have to do is pick a contest, choose your team, and enjoy watching the results in real time. It's a great way to stay engaged with the NBA on a night-to-night basis, even those nights where it seems like the Pistons and the Nets are playing each other for the 45th time this season. You can play against your friends in custom contests for bragging rights, or you can play against the public for millions of dollars in cash prizes. To take advantage of our special offer for new FanDuel users, all you have to do is sign up today at fanduel.com slash RW. That's fanduel.com slash RW. You'll get a free six-month Rotowire subscription with your first deposit on FanDuel. All you have to do is visit fanduel.com slash RW, void where prohibited. Is there a team in the West that you could see being upset? I know this has probably been beat to death on on Get Up the last like two weeks, but <laughs> um, every time the Warriors like lose a game, I think that just kind of resets. And they they obviously won not in the most convincing fashion in Houston last night. No, no Kevin Durant, of course. Um, another kind of tough shooting night for James Harden. I am not of the belief still. I, I don't I don't know what it would take for me to to kind of back away from Golden State cruising to another Finals. Um, but Warriors or otherwise, could could you see any of these teams, you know, whether it's the Nuggets in round one or the Warriors later on, um, you know, any of these top four or five teams in the West, you know, having trouble? I think I think the the easiest pick is Denver, just because they're the least experienced. Um, you figure, you know, they get a lot uh they always have the home court advantage because they play in Denver with the altitude. So you figure that advantage goes away a little bit more when teams have a longer time to get acclimated than the playoffs. So I think they would be my my default answer um at the same time i actually do kind of worry about okc even though i think their upside is like really high if i mean it kind of just comes down to like if you know can russell westbrook make shots um and are the role players gonna falter like you know they have a lot of they have a lot of young athletic guys who play great defense uh, but a lot of those guys have never been in real you know serious playoff series before so if it's just a question of whether or not they can kind of live up to those expectations. And if you know, if both those scenarios happen at once, I feel like OKC could fall apart. I mean, it's it's easy to forget that this time last year, I feel like we were kind of in the exact same position. OKC was a 48-win team last season. Um, and obviously, Paul George wasn't this version of Paul George at that point. But you could also counter that Russell Westbrook was better last year and at least markedly more efficient last year than he is this year so you know to me this team is on pace to finish with a very similar record they're 42 and 26 right now um you know they'll probably finish with closer to 50 wins but you know roughly the same um and they i mean they completely fell apart against utah yeah in in round one last year a a utah team that you know I, i think they probably underrated quite a bit um and maybe underestimated 
but they lost that series in six games. So like, I, I don't know where like this version of the thunder without Kevin Durant has not really had playoff success whatsoever. No. Um, so, you know, I, I think we kind of give, we given who they have at the top of that roster, we kind of ascribe them um, maybe a status that they haven't earned. And the way that Houston's played, you know, last, last night's loss aside, like, I think Houston probably passes OKC by the time we get to game 82 and they're the three. Um, and like OKC Portland to me, I mean, that's 55, 45 in favor of OKC, but I, I think that one's pretty close. I mean, Portland has been a top five team in the West without exception, pretty much from start to finish. Yeah. I mean, they played the other night. Um, can't remember. They went to OT. Right. Uh, and yeah, they, I mean, that was a really good game. I mean, Damian, Damian Lillard had one of the best games of his career. Definitely one of the best games of his season. Right. Um, and he's not going to do that every night. So, you know, most ever other situations you would have Oklahoma city winning that game. Um, you know, but at the same time, like having Yusuf Nurkic to battle Steven Adams, having Angus Cantor there, even though his, his, you know, net ratings pretty bad. Um, yeah. And the, the Trailblazers have actually gotten more, I think more production out of their wings than maybe ever before. I mean, Mo Harkless is back to like being a rotation player after dealing with the knee issues. Um, Alfred Camino is still there. Jake Lehman makes things They're happen deep. once in a while. Yeah. Right. Um, Evan Turner is like, I, he's gone at this point. So it would be an interesting, like if they played, I think it'd be an interesting series. I'd probably take OKC, but I, like I said, I, yeah, I'd still worry about, you know, OKC kind of falling into the same situation they did last year where it's a small sample size, but in six games, you know, Russell Westbrook and Paul George like shot under 40% as a tandem. Mm-hmm. And you just, it's really hard to win. Yeah, it's really hard to win like that. Yeah, it's it's really hard also to look up and down and, and say, you know, I don't trust this team at all because you look at who they're facing on the other side. It's like, you know, if OKC right now, you know, if the season ended today, they would play the Spurs in round one. And like, I don't have any faith that, that this Spurs roster would beat OKC, but you have, a, you know, a massive advantage in coaching, yeah. you know, in favor of, of San Antonio. I mean, is there, do you think we'll see any teams at the top of the West kind of jostle and position themselves to face San Antonio or Utah or the Clippers? Like which of those three do you want to play the most in round one? If you're, if, if I'm San Antonio, who would I want to play? No, if you're, if you're like a, let's say you're, I don't know, Denver, who could maybe move up to one or could go all the way down to three or four. Right. Is there a team, you know, of those bottom four, Portland, San Antonio, Utah, the Clippers that you'd want to play most? That's tough. Um, I think, I think I would prefer to play the Clippers. I think so too. But it wouldn't, it would be a rough series still. Um, I just, you know, I think they, you would have to deal with Patrick Beverly, obviously um and lou williams and danilo gallinari i don't want to play patrick beverly <laughs> um he's gonna shut jamal murray he's gonna shut monte morris down um but you know because lou williams and danilo gallinari like they can average 20 points a game in a series no problem um but i just think that you know it's kind of the situation that i brought up before with the thunders players they just have a lot of inexperienced guys on their roster who like they're doing great things in the regular season like playing mm-hmm. way above you know um expectation but at the same time like i'm not sure i trust landry shamit to you know take down the denver nuggets in a playoff series shigil just alexander is playing big minutes zubach is a good player but like that's he's still you know still a young guy i i mean yeah i just think i would i would rather play the clippers out of all those teams which is the easy answer because they're the eighth seed right now they 
they have the profile of like a really good regular season team, you know, that once you get into a playoff series, you know, going as deep as they do, relying on so many guys to play well every single night. Like it just seems like I was going to say, it seems like the magic will run out. I don't know if it's, it's right to say a 39 and 30 team is, is carrying all this magic, but I, yeah, I think you want to play the Clippers at the end of the day. You, I, Lou Williams, you know, I think it's discounted a lot. He's, you know, probably a, a at least on par with a lot of guys we just you just think of as all-stars yeah um, but at the end of the day like as much as I love Montrez Harrell and Landry Shamit and guys like that um you know I think I think this Clippers team is is who Golden State and Denver especially um will be targeting does it concern you at all that Denver is 16 and 16 on the road they are 10 and 3 NBA best 10 and 3 in close games games decided by three or fewer points um, which one you can look at that as okay in clutch situations they pull through and win or right. those games could have gone either way and they could be seated a lot differently right now if they lose three of those instead of win um you, yeah you can look at that both ways the road record more than anything concerns me um, because generally you know road success is more indicative of how a team's going to do in the playoffs um, and we talked about like their home court advantage before so, I mean, I think that's, I mean, that's the main sign and pointing to them potentially being upset in a first round series, mm-hmm. especially if they, you know, if they slip to three and have to deal with like the Spurs or may, maybe Portland in the first round, you could see how that could, how that could go badly quickly. Mm-hmm. Okay. A couple quick things. Uh, we'll, we'll wrap this one up. Um, I'm sure you saw the Ibaka Marquise Chris yes. melee scuffle. I w- not a fight really, right? It was. Marquise I, Chris was not trying to fight at no. all like he was attacked i wouldn't want to fight Ibaka. Ibaka. he was like attacked by a lion and just kind of put his hands up like a boxer although watching it a few times chris did get a little swing in which i think is why he got suspended because yeah the stare alone or whatever he said to Ibaka, i don't think would, would be enough for a suspension uh but he did get in like a little kind of half-assed lefty swing <laughs> Ibaka has now been in three fights in three years we're kind of past the era sadly of guys like matt barnes steven jackson even like Zach Randolph, like there just aren't that many like getting three fights a month. Well, yeah, guys who are like liable to be in a fight. Like I don't even know if if you made a list of like the top five players who would get in a fight in the NBA, you'd have to start coming up with guys who've never even been involved in fights. Like that that phase of the NBA is just just kind of on its way out, uh, which is probably what the league wants, not so much what what I want. Um, but three games for Ibaka, that was a little bit lighter than I thought, given that he's you know kind of been. You know, the league at least had its, had its eye on him these last couple of years. And I had, I mean, had he connected on that swing, we're looking at what, like five to 10 games? If he, Probably. If he clocks Marquise Chris, like that was a full swing. And if he catches him, you know, in the cheek or in the head, um, I, I just think it was kind of odd that they, you know, they, they seem to be punishing the result, I guess, more than the intent. Yeah. I mean, he had, it was the same situation as two years ago with Robin Lopez. Yep. They got in a fight where it, if, if you know one of those punches landed, it would have been um, a much bigger suspension. But I was a little surprised it it wasn't four or five games. Um, yeah, you would think if he's, I mean, we he, he's a repeat offender at this point. Like he just gets in these fights. It's weird because he doesn't have that personality necessarily. Like you don't think of him that way, right? But he ends up in these in these situations. Um, yeah, I mean, it's. It, I don't think they should necessarily be like lowering the punishment significantly just because the punch missed. Like he still really tried to hit him, and it's, you're kind of you're kind of saying, well, if you if you miss him, you can swing all you want. Um, so I, that situation is a little weird, but yeah, I was surprised he he didn't get more games uh, out of that. 
Last thing I want to touch on, Isaiah Thomas. Um, I've been a little bit critical (laughs) of IT in the past, um, mostly for his failed tenure with the Cavs. But this is actually kind of sad now. 30 years old, um, Mike Malone informed him, I think either yesterday or, or after the game on Tuesday, that he's out of the rotation for now. And for now basically means like, for the rest of the season, unless someone gets hurt. I mean, I don't, I don't know what it could do. Uh, it would have to be in practice to like, to like sur- surmount Monte Morris um, in, in that backcourt, but they're basically going to drop down to an eight man rotation, which is similar to what a lot of teams do this time of year. Normally, you know, it's not a story when Matthew Delavadova or Jerry and Grant <laughs> fall out of the rotation. Uh, but when it's Isaiah, you know, a two-time all-star, a guy who is, you know, whether, whether you want to believe it or not, a legitimate MVP candidate just a couple of years ago, um it rings a little bit a little bit differently so i mean i think he's kind of in the same spot this summer as he was this past summer he's kind of doing it again right Right. like he's the days of the big the brinks truck being backed up to the thomas household are gone i think we can establish that i think his recovery probably took a little bit longer than he thought this year um you know had he come back in like december and had an extra couple months to to kind of get conditioned and improve himself and you know especially with the way that that denver was winning games you know play more minutes maybe at the end of games kind of use this as like a mini tryout um basically do what demarcus cousins has done in yeah. golden state and obviously that that hasn't worked out perfectly but and then he has games like like last night where you know he looks like he's the best player on the floor at times isaiah never really had those moments you know he, he had a couple of decent flashes but never really saw enough playing time to kind of repair his reputation and i, I think he goes into the summer now as a 30 year old looking for probably the veterans minimum I, I don't i don't think any team would even look at him as like a mid-level guy at this point could be the starting point guard of the orlando magic next year sharing time with markel fultz that would be a backcourt oh god that would be a i mean that's a league pass team um you got mo bamba isaiah thomas markel fultz i want this to happen now but yeah you're right i mean you just this season i don't want to say this season like didn't happen but it essentially didn't happen like how many how many games has he played 10 um yeah not many i was gonna double check but yeah it's it's he this season mostly was about working his way back and then seeing if he could like miraculously become like a six man of the year candidate because that was i think what he was thinking would happen and the nuggets thought was the absolute upside of him coming back he's played nine games um so yeah i think like you mentioned he just goes we have to do this all over again next year and he's got to find i he i think he can't shoot for a playoff team at this point i mean he he that's what he did this year. He shot for a playoff team. He was like, hey, maybe I can help a playoff team. Now, right. he actually, I think, is at the point where he's like, I have to go to a bad team right. so I can get minutes to actually prove that I can do this. Well, the Nuggets look like a good spot. I mean, I remember saying, you know, when the, when the signing first happened, it was like, well, I mean, he's kind of doing the Cousins thing where you, you know, you latch on to a good team where you're probably going to go to the playoffs, you'll get some exposure, and there's actually a role for you. Because back then, nobody was talking about Monte Morris, who at right. that point was a second round pick who would, you know, I wouldn't even say he'd shown flashes, you know, at that point he was, he had just played a few like, at the <laughs> end of a few games and looked okay. Um, it's like the big thing here isn't that Isaiah Thomas has necessarily like failed himself in trying to come back. It's that Monte Morris has played so well that there's no possible way that Mike Malone could look the team in the eye and say, we're benching Monte Morris and we're playing it, you know, like, yeah, I think they, I, I think that the nuggets probably didn't expect that he would even play this well. No, this is kind of a weird. I mean, it's a weird situation for you know. Nobody saw this Monte Morris thing coming, and um, yeah, at this point, maybe just to get minutes, he goes to a you know a non-playoff team or middle of the road kind of eighth seed team, and then possibly gets dealt if he plays well. 
um, you know, to a team that's that's in the playoffs if they need it. Um, that could be beneficial for for all sides mm-hmm. involved. But yeah, this is kind of a weird continuation of the saga, I suppose. It is. Will be very interesting to see uh, where he ultimately ends up. I, I think, unfortunately, the days of him like returning to All Star form are probably just gone. I don't. I don't even know if he'll ever get the full opportunity to do that. But like you said, it's going to have to be the Magic, or the Suns, or any of the other usual suspects at the bottom of the standings. All right, we'll wrap this up. Um, look forward to a fun weekend of college basketball conference tournaments. I know you're probably a little bit less interested right. in that than I am, uh, but we'll reconvene next week. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.